You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Last, uh, this last month, we've been challenged as a, as a church to rekindle our love relationship with the Lord. Um, that He would really be our first love again. That uh, we would be faint with love for Him. We, we looked at this aspect of being abandoned in Him to... To be in that place, that secret place of His presence, and just to know Him, and to be in love with Him. That that would be the driving force of our life, beyond anything else, that we would be just passionately in love with Him. And uh, it's something that is a challenge for us, because life gets busy, and we, we kind of move on with things, and uh, it, it's like we, in order to keep the love alive in our relationship, we have to just keep coming back to that place of just being in His presence. Just coming and, and, and knowing Him in an intimate way. But love, if we're going to look at the word of of love, of loving God, love is an action word, isn't it? It's more than just a feeling. To say, I really love God, what does that really mean? Does it mean you get goose pimples? Does it mean uh, you feel something in your stomach or in your heart? What does it mean that I really love God? What does it really mean to to say, I'm really going after Him? To love God requires action on our part. And how do we display love to an unseen God? How do we do it? How do we display love? It's one thing for me to say, you know, I really love Donna, but I, to love, to say I love her means there's an action to that. When I have options to, to, to be selfish, I, I choose not to be, I choose to be unselfish, I choose to prefer her, I, per, I choose to, um, display my affection towards her, but how do we do it towards God? When He's the unseen realm? How do we display a passionate love relationship for God? Do we pray? Loads and loads and loads. Do we fast loads and loads and loads? Do we, you know, climb the highest mountain for Him? What, what is it? As we look at this passionate love relationship for, for Him, we have to look at if, if we were going to say, well, God, how do you want us to love you? Do you know what? In Scripture, He tells us, if you really want to love me, this is how you do it. So today, we're going to pull back the mystery of how we really love God. Are you guys ready for that? When you leave here today, you're going to be so fired up for loving Jesus. It'll be, you'll be unstoppable. You ready for that? Tell you, talk to the person beside you and say, are you ready? ready? All right. Good. We're ready. John 14. We're going to look at three verses in John 14 as we start to build the premise of what I'm going to share and what we're going to be really looking at this month as a church body. To be passionate for God, to love God, to give Him everything. We see it in chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Yes? If you love me, you obey what I command. Verse 21 Jumping down a little bit. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Oh, so to love him means we need to obey him, right? It's exciting, guys. Verse 23. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. There's kind of a theme going on here. 
If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. How exciting, isn't it? We just have to obey him. You just have to love him and obey him. If we love him, we'll obey him. If we love the Lord, we'll obey his commands. It's a demonstration of our love that actually what he asks of our lives, we do. Right? Seems so simple, doesn't it? God says, God says, you know, if you really want to be passionately loved, just do what I say. Actually, that's, all, that's really all I'm asking of you. Passionate love isn't just praying. Passionate love is obedience. Is watch, walking out what we are professing in our love. But then if we keep reading on, John 15, verses 10 and 11. It says, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remained in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so we see here there's, there's two sides of this equation. If we love the Lord, we'll obey Him. But if we obey the Lord, we remain in His love. Right? There's two sides of the same coin. Obedience brings us into a place of knowing His love. Obedience brings us into a place of remaining in His presence and remaining in His love. And that, that, that love in us brings a completion to the joy that God has intended for us to have. And so we see this circular thing of God's love. One is that Christ first loved us. We didn't start the equation. He did. But then we respond to His love by accepting Him and obeying Him. But that in doing so, we remain in His love. And then to continue to love Him, we continue to obey Him. And then we continue to experience His love. How profound. How exciting. In other words, do you want to experience more of God's love? Of course we all do. Well then just obey Him. Would we not gather that from the scripture we read? Okay. You might say, I'm all in. In fact, that's what we've themed this month. We're all in. I'll climb the highest mountain. I'll endure the persecution. I will go to the ends of the earth just to show the Lord that I really love Him. I'll go to the all-night prayer meetings the church has. I'll go to all the Bible studies. I'll go to the home groups. I'll do everything just to prove my love for Him. I'm all in. Anything, God, I'll do it to demonstrate my love for you. Just say the word. Climb the highest mountain. All right, never mind. Although all of this is admirable, the primary way in which God asks us to demonstrate our love for Him is found in the following verses. Verse 12, it says, My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no man that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, and if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. I've called you friends for everything I have learned from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask my name. This is my command, love one another. We love the invisible by loving the visible. We love the invisible God by loving the visible people around us. We can't detach our relationships on earth with our relationship with the Father. It's quite profound, isn't it, when we look at God saying, 
when Jesus was, was saying this passage, you know, if you really love me, just obey me. And I'm sure the disciples were like, yeah, Jesus, we'll do it. We'll kill someone for you if we have to. Just say it. And the most profound thing Jesus says is, you know what? If you really love me, I want you just to love each other. That's my command. That's, that's it. I, I, I want you to be passionate in love with me by loving each other. Whatever love you would demonstrate towards me, I want you to demonstrate that love towards each other as the substitute. We can only love the invisible God by showing that love towards one another. It's a proof of what it is in our hearts. God says to show our love for Him requires that we show this love in a tangible way. If we look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. But then if we jump down a little bit further, it says in verse 19, it says, We love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he who has given us this command, whoever loves God, must also love his brother. The two are intertwined with God. And when we look at this aspect of us following after Jesus and following His plans and purposes for our life, it involves us being missional and being demonstrating Him to this world, right? And a lot of what we're looking at this coming month is the church being missional, being impacting the community around us, being the light and His presence. But it actually starts with this aspect of love. Of us actually, the only reason we're doing it is because we love God. And thus, we love people because that's how we demonstrate our love towards God. And so really, the measure of our love towards God is measured by how we love the people around us. This includes the people in the church, the people around us today, but it also includes the people outside the church, doesn't it? God, even when Jesus was asked about this definition of loving our neighbor. Who is the neighbor? He actually doesn't use just Christian people or, uh, you know, the Jewish kind of, uh, sect. He, 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 he demonstrates this loving our neighbor actually is a very broad thing of, of really anyone with a Samaritan, the good Samaritan story. And so God calls us to love. And he, this love that God calls us to have in this world takes its many forms. And today we're going to look at three of the forms that I believe God calls us to have in loving the world and loving the people around us. And the very first form that we can look at today when we look at love is we look at the word compassion. I don't think you can love without being compassionate. Would you agree? Compassion comes from the heart of love. It, it comes from uh, the deep within. As I just me mentioned, the, the Good Samaritan story in Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37, we see Jesus describing what loving the neighbor really is, showing compassion to someone in need, taking pity. The religious leaders they thought they had it all, all figured out. Loving their neighbor was quite simple to them. They, well, we'll just love the other Jewish people or we'll, we'll confine it to what we define love to be. But actually, having compassion moves you to action to go outside your comfort zone, to engage yourselves in someone else's problems. All of us live in a world that's broken and hurting, don't we? 
We all have neighbors. We all have people around us. We all know situations where things aren't right. And it's so easy to walk on the other side of the street and disengage with what's going on around us. It's so easy to, to just kind of turn a blind eye because it's easier to just ignore the situations that we face in the world that we live in than it is to take pity and be moved by compassion. You see, Jesus was moved by compassion continually in His ministry, wasn't He? Why? Because He was in love with the Father. And that love for the Father was that then permeated with a love for the people in which God had called Him the Father had called him to reach. And so when he saw situations, when he saw people that were broken and hurting or hungry, he was moved with compassion. And that compassion permeated through what he did. We never see, we don't see anywhere in scripture that Jesus was moved with compassion, so left everyone else and just spent time alone with the Father. He did spend time alone with the Father, but that was after he was moved with compassion. Or before he was moved with compassion. You see, the two are, are combined. Compassion isn't a feeling of just feeling sorry for people, but it's doing something about it. And again, whether they're in the church or without or outside the church, compassion leads to a response in our hearts. Loving people is showing compassion to the world around us, dirtying our hands in the difficulties of other people. Jesus even talked about what we do to the least of these, we do unto the Lord in Matthew 25. And to me, when I was just preparing this, I was just challenged in my own life how easy it is to not do it to the least of these because we see it as less valuable. It's even easier to do things of compassionate nature within the church because, well, we know them. But actually, compassion reaches beyond the people we know, doesn't it? The least of these is actually people that are on the street or the people in the town center or, or anywhere. They come upon our path. And God wants to move our hearts with compassion that we would demonstrate such a passionate love relationship for Him by being passionately compassionate for other people. I love you guys so much. I just want to demonstrate that love by helping this person. Because that's your heart. I know that will please you. Why do I do some of the things I do in our relationship with my, my, our relationship, my relationship with Donna? Why do I do the things that I know she will enjoy because I know it pleases her? It's a motivation. It's for her benefit. And actually our love relationship for God is a motivation that we would please Him by being compassionate to the, the people. But compassion is also a choice, isn't it? I can choose to not be compassionate. Compassion doesn't just come like a, a, like a brick hitting you in the forehead and you all of a sudden you're moved to do something you wouldn't otherwise do. Compassion is a choice. You see a situation, there's a prompting in your heart to do something about it. And that moment, either compassion kicks in and you do something and you show the love of Christ or you choose to ignore it and you move on with your day. And all of us have that voice of the Spirit saying, this is my will right now. That you would get off your busy track of life and you would engage with this person who desperately needs your help at this moment. And those moments are very spiritual. Those moments are very uh, personal between us and God. And you know, when we show compassion, when we engage ourselves in the, in the lives of people that maybe we don't even know, we understand 
the heart of God and we understand His love. We read at the beginning that if you obey my commandments, then we'll remain in His love. If we show compassion, we remain in His love because His love is made complete in us when we start to demonstrate the heart of compassion to other people. Suddenly it clicks in us how much God's love is. Any of you who have been involved in any kind of social action projects, and you start to help people in a selfless way, you start to experience God's love. How many could attest to that to some degree? Your heart is moved because you're starting to speak the language of heaven. You're engaging yourself. But some questions that go with that is, are we displaying this quality of compassion? I know for myself, I would be hypocritical to just preach it, to say, actually, this message is for me because so often I am the least compassionate person on the planet because I get tunnel vision. I don't know if any of you have boxes. How many of you have boxes in your brain? And in your inner box, you're there. I know women are more like spaghetti. (laughs) And it's all connected, interconnected. Thoughts are going all over the place. But sometimes I'm just in a box. And sometimes I'm in a nothing box. How many of guys or girls have a nothing box? And sometimes you can just be in that presence of nothing. Nothing's going on in your mind. You're not thinking about anything. You're not planning anything. You can be driving. Donna and I have had this conversation. I'm driving, looking serious. And she said, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, I'm thinking about nothing. <laughs> I'm just existing in this space. That's all I'm doing. My heart is pumping. My brain is telling me to live. That's it. What does this have to do with compassion? The point is, the Spirit of God whispers into my heart and says, Tyler, get out of your nothing box. There's something going on here that you need to engage with. And for me, I need God's help daily to be compassionate. Otherwise, I stay in my box, my little comfort zone, my own thought process, and I disengage with the world around me. I need God's help to change me from this. That's where I need God's love being made perfect in me. In me, But it takes a choice on my part saying, God, I'll choose to listen to your spirit. The question is, what's happening in the world around us? What's moving us? What are we doing about it? All of us need to be moved in areas of compassion in our lives to display His love. What's happening in your world right now? How have you displayed compassion this last week or this last month or this last year? Has anything moved you to do something out of the ordinary? That reflects our passionate love relationship for God. What we're doing for the least of these, we're doing for Him. So it's realigning our thoughts. Okay, God, I want to love you, but what pleases you? Okay, God, I know it pleases you to help people. So I'm going to start helping people. It's just that simple. Out of a motivation that, God, every person I help, I'm doing it for you. Because I love you. But it goes beyond that. It goes also into the area of showing grace and mercy. Love is is displayed towards us because He was gracious with us, wasn't He? Jesus displayed His love towards us, not by coming down with the law, but He came down with grace. He loved us that He provided a way for salvation. But in the same way, we're called to show this love and grace and mercy towards the people around us. And if you look at James chapter 2, Verses 12 and 13, it says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Right? Speak and act as those who are going to judge by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown 
to those who've not been merciful. But here's the line. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And you know what? As a church, I think historically we've really failed in this area. I think historically the church has been judgmental of anyone who doesn't quite measure up to what we think is right. Would you agree? We've been very good at that. People need to clean up, smarten up their lives, and then come to church. Once you look squeaky clean, then you can come. And if you do come and you're not like that, then you feel somewhat condemned or even said that you're condemned. And yet God calls us to show this love and mercy to those who fail. Letting mercy triumph over judgment. And Jesus demonstrated this even with the women caught in adultery. Right? All the religious leaders had brought this woman somewhere the guy was, you know. Anyways, the guy was also caught in adultery, but he wasn't brought. The woman was brought. And Jesus had every opportunity to cast judgment. But he showed mercy and compassion to this, this woman. And he won her over with mercy. She, he didn't give what she deserved. He showed mercy instead. And that mercy won her over. And you know what? There's a challenge for us as a church and as people to demonstrate this compassion and to demonstrate love and mercy in a way that Christ has done towards us. That we don't cast judgment on people at face value. But actually that we show compassion in the form of mercy and grace. We had a discussion here um, a couple weeks ago, or maybe in this past week, about a book by Philip Yancey. What's so amazing about grace? How many of you have read this book? Deeply impacted my life. And he says something in this book that he would rather err on the side of being gracious with people than being judgmental. Why? Because in Scripture, we don't see anywhere that Jesus came down on any one of a religious order because they were too merciful or too gracious. But he certainly came down on people that were too judgmental. Jesus didn't actually share a lot about the need for people to show less mercy or less grace. We don't actually have any teachings of Jesus saying, don't do that. But we do have the very opposite saying, you know what? You guys need to show love and mercy as, as you've received. It needs to be shown. And I think it's a challenge for us as a church to look at the people around us in the community or the places that we live and say, do you know what? I want to love them and be merciful to them and be gracious to them as Christ is with me. I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to accept them and honor them because God loves them. It's a challenge, isn't it? Because sometimes that makes us feel very uncomfortable. When people look different than us, have different values than us, have different ways of thinking, different ways of acting. And it's so easy to write them off saying, actually, you know what? You're of no value or you need to change in order for me to accept you and love you. Yet that's not what Christ did. Christ always offered mercy and grace as the opening line. I love you and I accept you as you are. Come. But in order for him to do that, grace had to be given. I pray that even as a church family, that we would be known as the most gracious, merciful people. And even towards one another. Sometimes, I, I think it's, it, we see it even in, in the Christian circle, when someone makes a mistake, fails, especially those in ministry, we tar and feather them for what they've done. Instead of showing the love and mercy and grace, we show often a very bad example of what it is to just love people.
to show that compassion towards one another. People know that, need to know that they're loved no matter who they are or what they've done. And Jesus, again, if we're going to look at what we've read at the beginning, He said, if you, if you really want to love me, then I want you to love other people. But love includes showing that mercy and grace that I've shown you. And so when you're with people that messed up, or when you're people whose lives are in a mess, we can just love them. Why? Because God loved us when our lives were a mess. And we can just show grace and acceptance because of what Christ has done for us. You know what? That is what it is to be missional. We're demonstrating Him into the world. We're showing what Jesus is into the world in which we live in tangible ways. People know whether they're accepted by you or not. When you talk to someone on the street, they know if you are judging them or not by how you interact with them. I know in Brighton, one of our challenges has been and, and continues to be is to love everyone and accept everyone no matter of where they're coming from, no matter what their sexual orientation is, no matter what they look like, whether they're a guy looking like a woman or a woman looking like a guy or, you know, somewhere in between. It's to look at them as someone who God has created and just to love them and to show acceptance and grace towards them. I believe in doing so, we, 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 we move in the heartbeat of God and God says, you know what? I saw that. And I respond in love towards you because you're showing love towards me in this way. And so we've got this grace and mercy. But then the third one I want to touch on is just simple kindness. It's impossible to love without being kind. And you know, I've discovered there are some very not nice Christians out there. How many would agree? Kindness is something that seems almost very simplistic, but we get it terribly wrong. To just be nice. To be a nice person. You can't be loving without being kind. And I know kindness is part of the fruit of the Spirit, but why is it part of the fruit of the Spirit? And I know we got love and we got kindness as separate things, but you can't be kind without... So you can't be loving without being kind. To be friendly... To stop and talk and listen. To smile. That's novel. You see, loving the world starts with the simple step of just being kind to other people. In Canada, we have a tradition of going to restaurants after Sunday service. Would you agree? Yeah, often. At least in the town that we were in, after Sunday service, everyone would go to a restaurant, to a buffet, the Sunday buffet. You eat in the Word of God, and you eat of the words, or you eat of the flesh of animals. Anyways, um, <laughs> there were in the town that we lived in particular. We we know of some waitresses that said they never ever wanted to work on Sunday. Because they had to serve Christians. Honest. Honest. Donna used to waitress. Honest story. They ever wanted to serve Christian tables. Because they were the most arrogant, self-righteous, rude people they ever treated. That never... And in Canada the tradition is when you eat a meal in a restaurant, you always give a tip. And they would be the most stingy people. And I think actually in the most practical way... They could just come from church about winning the world for Christ, but be nasty in the restaurant after the service. 
You see, winning the world for Christ starts with the simplicity of just being nice to the person who serves you. Being pleasant, being that smile, being that person that someone, you know what, I want to serve the Christian table because they're really pleasant people. Now, I know what I just said was a was kind of a very blanket statement, but unfortunately, it was enough of an impression in the town that we came from for waitresses to be aware that Christians were not nice people to serve. And it didn't just happen once or twice, it happened all the time. Why? Because sometimes Christians can feel like we are one step up from everyone else, but we're not, guys. We are in the same place as everyone else. We just know a Savior. And they need to know a Savior. And our heart and our, our the place that we play is to point people in the direction. But as people, as believers, we need to be the kindest people on earth. I believe it. Your neighbors should think of you as the most kind people. Oh, those Dawes. They are such kind people. They are. <laughs> oh, the good ears. I love the good ears as my neighbors because they're such kind people. They're affectionate towards us. They, they, they show what it means to be kind. You see, kindness isn't towards just kind people, but it's also being kind towards not so kind people. Kindness is a fruit that God brings in our lives as an evident that He's in us. We see it in Galatians 5. As a church, guys, and as believers, it's time to get passionate about Jesus, isn't it? But being passionately in love with Jesus means we're kind to the people outside the church. It's about being compassionate. It's about getting our hands dirty in other people's lives and affairs because they need help. It's about showing mercy and compassion to those who need it. It's about being the face of Jesus in every environment we find ourselves. And in so doing, we love Jesus. It starts at this very basic level. Jesus says, if you want to love me, just do this stuff. And you'll show that you love me. And my love will be made complete in me. And the joy that you'll experience in loving me in this way will be made complete in me, in you and me. You want to know what true joy is? Become selfless to the world around you. Then the joy that comes and fills our heart, when people are helped because of our lives and the love that we offer them, we know what the joy is that God has for us. Not because it's all about us, but it's all about the people in which we're in connection with. I pray as a church that we're all in to loving the world. That we're all in to loving Jesus. That we're all in to seeing His kingdom expand. But His kingdom expands in love. Not just in militants trying to pound our testimony down someone's throat whether they want to hear it or not. But opening the door to our testimony through love, compassion, kindness, mercy, gentleness, even self-control. Then the door comes open and they want to hear the message of the gospel. But sometimes we need to qualify the gospel before we get to the gospel. We need to show that we're part of His family because we're displaying Him before we even get to open our mouths. The voice of, of the church and the community often needs to be felt before it's heard. 
The people around us in our street corners, they need to experience us before they hear us in many times. Yes, there's a place to share our, 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 our testimony. We'll get to that this month at some point. But we need to start with the foundationals of just loving people. Can we do that? Can we engage students? You get to be mixed up with a bunch of people from different countries for the next nine months, whether you like it or not. And this will be a great opportunity to show compassion, to show love, to show grace and mercy. And you even can just be kind to one another. That person who snores or the person who makes a mess in the room, you can be compassionate to to one another. And this year, if everyone did that, it would be a happy place, wouldn't it, John? No fights, because everyone loves each other. I want to end today with a proclamation that I believe God calls us to make. In saying that God, we're going to love you by loving the people around us. And we're going to give it everything we've got. We're not going to love the people around us half-heartedly. We're not going to just love a little bit, show a little bit of compassion. But we're going to love the world with everything we've got. Could we make that audacious, audacious, there we go, audacious commitment to the Lord to say, God, we're going to love with everything we've got. We're going to commit this year, this season, to be a loving church. We can become missional in doing this as we start to love. And so in closing, in, in, in how to respond to this, I can't make you love anyone. I wish I could. It doesn't work that way, does it? We choose to love. We choose to engage. We choose to respond. And it happens in those moments when we least expect it. I'm sure the Good Samaritan had other plans that day when he met the beat-up guy on the road. It could happen tomorrow morning when you're on your way to work and that person's on the side of the road with a flat tire. And, and yes, you could disengage and think, actually, you know what, I don't need to help here. Or maybe that's an opportunity to show love. Who knows what that could lead to? I've discovered that moments of love of other people come at moments when we least expect it and sometimes least want it. The unlovely people in our lives who challenge us and rub us the wrong way. Love is a choice at that moment to say, I will choose to love them be gracious to them, forgive them, and embrace them. If today you want to say, I want to give it everything I've got and all the love that God could put in my heart for the world around me, I want to show how much I love Jesus by loving the world in which he's called me to. I want you to stand with me today. Only if that's your commitment today, that we're making a decision 
that we're going to get serious about loving God. If that's you, I want you to stand with me right now. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.